0: There's a really empowering 40, 50, 60 moment where you say, I don't want to be mean. I can be generous to the whole planet. I just don't want to give everything up for this person just to make this work because I'm desperate.
1: This is episode number 513 with Susanna Galand the thrill of dating in your 40s and beyond. Hi everybody, I'm Sandy Weiner, and welcome back to Last First Date Radio where we believe it is never too late to go on your last first date. And if you would like support on your journey to lasting love, I wrote a book for you. It's called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love. And it's available now on... Uh, amazon for kindle or paperback this is a book that will help you step more fully into your value and really discover all the parts of your core confidence which is really so important in every aspect of your life and this week's tip from the book on becoming a woman of value is step number 14 declutter your life I remember when Marie Kondo was really big and I'm actually watching the home edit now on Netflix and it's all about organization and taking away clutter and editing your life. And I believe that We don't just need to look at the physical clutter but also the mental clutter and all the emotional clutter of our lives because that definitely gets in the way of living our best life and having the love that we deserve. And so, my challenge to you this week is if there is emotional clutter that you're holding on to, if you're saying, I'm so super busy, or oh god, I'm so stressed out, really look at the root cause of the stress because you're actually in control of a lot more than you think you are, and just start to let go of that stuff. And before I bring Susanna on, I want to invite you to our Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date. And this is a fabulous group for women over 40 who are ready to learn the skills that are necessary to have their last first date. This is a highly curated group with moderation all day long from my seven awesome moderators. And so if you're tired of the groups that just are, uh, you know, just for venting and talking badly about men and how horrible dating is, which doesn't get you anywhere, join our group, Your Last First date and now for my guest i'm really excited to have susanna Galland here she is a british-born empath and an internationally acclaimed intuitive life advisor she has written for huffington post harper's bazaar goop thrive global and medium she's also been in forbes vogue new york magazine usa today and she's the co-author of goop's the sex issue And if that wasn't enough, she's also been featured on the Today Show and as a frequent guidance expert on America's Next Top Model. So many amazing things that you have done, Susanna.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. Looking forward to this.
1: I am so excited to have you. And this is obviously uh, one of my favorite topics because this is my specialty in helping women who are 40 and beyond. So the first question I have for you is, what do you feel is different about dating at this stage in life from 40, 50 and beyond?
0: From 40, it's a fantastic time to get your act together. And now we have these wonderful shows like your podcast and so much information for self-help that we didn't have years ago. Um, That there's a sense of redefining glamour. So instead of the plastic surgery all the time, we're having natural products. We have natural work uh, products for hormones. We have so much help if we look for it. And also women, especially in today's day and age, are grouping together, tribally, big time. And so we have this enormous support to help us through a transformational period. Um, So dating in our 40s and 50s allows us to be more confident. We've been through the ringer. We know how we were raised. We've had certainly breakups, divorces, some of us, uh, feelings of isolation, a lot of fear. And I think the wonderful gift that you have in your 40s and 50s is the ability to really feel confident in areas you never would in your 20s. A lot of us in our 20s are full of lust, full of excitement, and very forgiving, um, to the point where it's self-abusive. And so there's always that fine line, and you talked about clutter, where how much of the same stuff is still going on with you, and how much have you worked on. And so 40s is 100% your moment. to start working on yourself if you haven't, if you've still got the same issues that come up, meaning how you deal with You wrote a piece about ghosting on your side. And I'd written about that years ago, and it's still going on. How we deal with doubt, how we deal with uncertainty. And that is clutter. That is so consuming that will feel like your home, your friend's home, everything, your mind, body, spirit. It's the ultimate worst attack. And especially at 40s and 50s, because instead of dating with uh, maybe uh, feeling okay with doubt towards who you're meeting, it's okay to doubt what they say. I need to take my time, check this out. It turns into self-doubt. The moment someone rejects you, there's your clutter. Yeah, It's so heavy. So to me, it's exciting because 40s and 50s is about transformation. And also it's a deepening of falling in love. Like you can't believe. It's beautiful.
1: I have to agree with what, what you've shared here. I think that we... If we're learning as we go, and if we are really learning from the mistakes we made, or, you know, you talk about forgiveness being almost to the point of abuse. Uh, I was just talking to a friend this morning. She just turned 66 and she was looking back at who she used to be. And she said, I, I've, I've just trusted people too readily. And I'm so willing to overlook so much, which has had gotten her into a terrible marriage and some some unhealthy relationships to the point where she stopped dating altogether. And what I work with clients on is, is learning who to trust and learning how to build trust slowly. We don't just jump in with both feet and immediately believe a person because they say they're a certain way or paying attention to those red flags that we might've ignored as younger daters, which I definitely did. I I was teaching my, my dating class last night. And I said, you know, I used to stumble in the dark. Like I felt like I was like dating, dating in the dark. So seriously, not like if i bumped into love it was just luck because i had no clue what i was really doing and so this is an opportunity to really gain clarity to gain more confidence as you said
0: and not be afraid to opt out i mean the the difference is in your 20s there's an infinity and you do believe oh i can get that man, or i can get that woman whatever your preference is um And uh, there's a sort of um, naivete, which you're supposed to have, and precociousness. Or if you're raised by narcissists, you're the devoted caretaker, no matter what. (laughs) You have no ability to handle narcissists whatsoever, which is one of your life lessons. I think the beauty with 40s and 50s is that a red flag is a risk, a serious risk, the same way you wouldn't put all your money on an investment on the market. So why put all your emotional investment, your heart, into one guy or woman? You don't know, A, if they're telling the truth. And no matter what information's online, you don't know if it's misinformation, if it's composed. And, and not to be afraid of, I'm going to doubt you until I know, till, and I'm going to take my time till I feel confident, till I check the boxes, those red flags that you talk about. And you can sense is when intuition comes in and that gut hit of something's off. And you remember them saying a different story. Um, and I think there's so much to look at nowadays, not to depress us, like the Tinder Swindler that was on Netflix and falling in love. I don't know, there's another show about uh, getting married. I haven't finished it. And they're sitting in pods, getting to know falling in love, they, they have to sort of get to know each other without seeing each other. Oh yeah, love is, love is blind. Love is blind, yes. that's it. <laughs> and I, I'm thinking, you know, that's all great for the shows, but it's really to inspire you because you can opt out if it isn't right. You don't have time to spend three months making it work. You don't have time to solve their drama and if you want to get married, or you really want a serious commitment, don't become a therapist. Don't become mama. The moment the drama comes up in the first few weeks, bye. Don't fall for that. That's not what dating is about. It's not about you, you being there to solve someone's issues right off the bat. So I think... There's a really empowering 40, 50, 60 moment where you say, I don't want to be mean. I can be generous to the whole planet. I just don't want to give everything up for this person just to make this work because I'm desperate. There's your clutter. It's a perfect word. You can (laughs) just spot check, clutter, clutter. If I take on his issues or her issues, clutter. Who am
1: I? Yeah, and it's it's not our responsibility. I'm actually doing a video on codependency tomorrow. So this has been on my mind, how we absorb other people's problems, how we make them our own, how we give up our own needs for others. And the beauty of doing this work is you recognize where you begin and somebody else ends and where you need to draw that line. And when you have the ability to recognize what you need, what you want What makes you feel that a partner is going to add value to your life because you're not dating out of desperation? That's when everything changes.
0: And I think you talk about codependency. We often have a blind spot. We don't know we're codependent and we don't know we're desperate. We really don't. And maybe our friends don't recognize it. But the moment that someone ghosts you and you're not hearing from them, or if you're dating someone say for six weeks and they haven't even hinted on having a sexual relationship with you, that's gonna be a friendship. I mean, you can say no, but that's a friendship. Like wait, you need to be aware of the terrain. And I think it's debunking the myth of falling in love first side and it's wonderful and the music plays <laughs> uh, like the old films like Brigadoon. they're really oldies which some of your 70s listeners will probably remember <laughs> but I, I was raised by a dad who was a ham so I watched all these wonderful movies in London and they're, they're gorgeously romantic with Gene Kelly and all the, the music and centuries it's just, Absolutely no relevance to today whatsoever, um, except if you're remembering Gene Kelly and it's <laughs> you're sitting with your great grandma or someone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, but even the movies from today are not that different. We still have the same no, but false not as stories. Right, they're not as schmaltzy, but they still paint a picture of. of the beautiful romance and the fireworks. And hardly anyone talks about the actual work of a relationship once you, you get into a relationship, which is where all the deeper work happens and all the amazing stuff happens. But I wanna go back to something you said, which was trusting your intuition. People like you and me who are empathic and really know ourselves can trust our intuition. I find that a lot of people don't know the difference between intuition and a gut fear response. And so would you share the difference between the two?
0: Yes, and if you don't mind, i just like to give a teeny intro so somebody might go, oh, well, so they understand it's built in. Um, So literally from the day we're born, when we come, uh, however we come out of the woman, you know, (laughs) uh, our mothers or however they're doing it, you know, um, our first breath is fear. So we come in with fear, whether you believe in incarnation or not, we deal with fear right from day one. And so, that's kind of built into our hard drive. So we're fully equipped to walk down a street and go, something's weird. You look behind, you feel weird, you can't see anybody, got hit. Listen to it 100%. You could be sitting with someone at a dinner, they're looking at you, it, it, everything looks great. Something's off, you don't know what, listen to it. And, and the, the thing about a gut hit is it's coming from the stomach where all your neurons and membranes are. And our stomach is our second brain. So, for example, if we're d- drinking a lot and eating a lot on a date, and I'll use it with dates if it's all right, you know, um, and we're full up, we can't think. I mean, think about it when you full up after dinner or you've eaten a lot. Usually you go, I'm exhausted, I can't think. And so that particular part of you is built in to recognize somebody's lying, something's off. And it'll give you a sense of 100% what's off. It's built in. Intuition is also built in. I, I wouldn't call it a software. It's part of the hard drive, if you want to call it. But because our first thing is fear, we're not really taught or um, invited to listen to intuition. So intuition will be, oh, maybe I should live, go live in Italy, just say. It doesn't mean you have to impulsively react to a hit. But an intuition is an idea, an insight. It's from the soul. It's kind of silvered through the soul, through all the other hard drive bits to give us a hit in a language that we can understand. Somebody will call, we're in sync. That's what it means. You think of someone and they call. It's not the person necessarily. It might also be, hey, I'm in sync. I want an elevator, wow, it's just there. That's a great time to manifest. You're in sync. So intuition will give you insights. It's extremely natural, beautiful, non-invasive and allows you, it's a key step for transformation. Gut is, are alarms that go off to stop you falling down those rabbit holes and that's the best way to explain it so I don't take up your whole show. It gets yeah. so complicated.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's, it's interesting. So that helps. One comes more from fear and one comes more from inspiration and...
0: And our body's hormonal. Our body is intuitive. Yeah. And we have electric hearts. Our hearts are plugged into the cosmos. Mm-hmm. You no, know, I. it's way above my pay grade, this stuff. It's so brilliant, <laughs> the universe, the creator. Intuition comes from different parts of our body. We'll feel it, we'll sense it. It's Mm -hmm. a sensory check, it's beautiful.
1: So what what I was also referring to is that a lot of times people will say, trust your gut when it comes to a dating issue, but it's actually a fear response and not a gut response. It's more based on a past experience or a trauma response where they had an experience, let's say, they were cheated on in the past and they meet somebody and one little thing happens and they immediately go to, Oh, I had a gut response that he's cheating on me and he's not, but it's your fear response because you haven't really healed your trauma. That's what I was wanting to differentiate. from
0: Yeah, I agree with you, but we have come in with fear. So we have a lot of memories that trigger and sell cells, you know, the cells in our body that carry these memories. In order to transform, we don't want to keep repeating the same stuff. If you have a gut feeling about someone, take that moment, take a breath, don't react. You don't know what it is. Don't make a movie about it. You don't know if they're unfaithful or not. That's imagination. But there's something going off. And the best thing you can do is be open to an intuitive sense. Give yourself time to see what it is. Because a gut hit it got the gut hit and the intuitive hits don't talk. You don't care what you look like, and they don't talk in the way that you and I are communicating. So if we're not reactive, it's a sign, it's a little moment to have something that we need to look at. Take a break, you don't know what it is yet. It's okay. It'll unfold. Mm -hmm. That's how I tend to work with clients. So I'm not reactive the way you would be. We can't react when they give information. So you have to sort of take your time and sense, where's their trauma, where's their fear? And what are they trying to tell themselves? Is it for them? Or is it for the person they're concerned about? And it always comes down to, it's about you. It's never about someone else.
1: Spoiler alert, it's always about you.
0: Yeah, I know, it sucks. (laughs) I know. Yeah, if you can't get it at 40, you'll think about it at 50. If you can't get it at 50, you'll definitely know about it at 60. And at 70, you're willing, and at 80, you can't remember and that's how it goes <laughs> right. you don't care and it's a great way <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors this episode is brought to you by Amazon Music Unlimited you can listen to over 70 million songs and thousands of playlists and stations plus you can now stream your favorite podcasts like Last First Date Radio You can listen to any song, anytime, anywhere, on any of your devices. Your smartphone, your tablet, your PC or Mac, Fire TV, and any Alexa-enabled devices like the Amazon Echo. Get Amazon Music Unlimited for free for 30 days. Just head on over to getamazonmusic.com forward slash last first date to learn more and claim this offer. Let's talk a little bit more about confidence because you spoke a lot about it in the beginning and a lot of people dating, especially in midlife are really lacking in confidence. I, I would say that this is something people come to me about. I'm sure they come to you about it. And some of them feel really hopeless. Like I'm so broken from all of the relationships I had that didn't work out. How can I possibly date with more confidence? So what are your tips for those people?
0: Well, um, I think some of their, first I would say, look, let's get sharp. Let's, And I will address the lack of confidence. But right now, right now today, listening to your show, right in this moment, we're talking about beautiful things to empower. We're talking about places to go in, inside yourself, decluttering. Uh, and not being afraid to opt out. Part of confidence is being okay with uncertainty and doubt. And that is brutal. Part of confidence is when somebody goes to you. Um, it's it's not the first place you might go is reactive. It's about you, what's wrong with you. And you get into those desperate places. It's gripping that moment. If it's not the first, second, third or 50th moment, keep going till you get it. If someone is ghosting you, watch your step. Do not take, it's because you're taking on their negativity. If they want to ghost you, they want to abuse you, it's their negativity. You're reactive and receiving it. You don't want it opt out with grace. You have got to catch that moment and have the courage to walk away where you can. We're talking dating. And that's the hardest thing. But women, as they get older, they do. They don't wanna keep going through these roller coasters. The, The trick is it's not the confidence, it's taking in the bitterness. They just, if you take in someone's negativity too much or how you're blaming yourself for how someone's treating you, sometimes it's not all about you. There's a better reason why they're doing that. There's someone better coming along. There's someone, there's a better job or a better date or a better marriage coming in or a better relationship with kids. We forget that and we suck up the negativity clutter, and we go down that rabbit hole, and we go back to that isolating place. And that is not light. That is not uh, whatever you want to call it, from the God force. That is all about fear. That's what we come in with, and off we go. And the recovery of that, the longer you stay in it, the worse it gets. And you'll never, uh, intuition cannot work from that place no relationship can heal from that place. So you've got to bring yourself back to center. Then you can deal with that person or not your choice. I mean, it's, it's making tough black and white decisions and it's serious stuff. This is not, I'm not saying this lightly. Like wake up, this is a serious issue. You do not want to hurt yourself.
1: Yeah. No, it's such an important reframe of how people usually respond to these things happening. And I think it's it's either self-blame or yeah. really putting all the blame on on men, on people you yes. date. And either one is not healthy and, and it's also not true. And so, you know, and, uh, yeah. and
0: and I agree. I, I think avoid your friends because they'll mm-hmm. allow you to put the hate onto, I mean, they're doing their job. They're friends. What do you want? Yeah.
1: Lori Gottlieb, who's a therapist, calls uh, it. she calls it idiot compassion it, it, when you to your friends and they're like,
0: oh, it's all about it. idiot something. She's yeah, right? so true. <laughs> Brilliant. That's so funny. And so apt. Yeah. But go find you or me or somebody. Don't work it out with your, idiot don't want to work it out in an idiotic
1: way (laughs) right they mean well they want to support you but they do it in a way that just puts everybody else down and that's not helpful which is why people should go to experts to work this stuff out it's it's just you know when you realize also the life lessons that you're going to keep learning over and over for me it was boundaries I realized that my boundaries needed to strengthen, both in my marriage that ended and with some of my children. And it was a lesson that just kept coming. And I'm like, why is this so hard? I mean, I had boundary issues in my, with my parents. And it started, my boundaries started to get stronger when I dealt with my father after the divorce and how he was telling me things he shouldn't have told me. That so was the first time I hung up the phone and said, do not speak to me this way. And each time you get stronger when you start to set those boundaries and when you start to work on those core issues that you've realized are playing themselves out everywhere in your life. It's probably happening at work too. It's probably happening everywhere. For me, I was attracting clients who didn't respect boundaries. I didn't respect boundaries. And I had to learn to not only respect my own boundaries and find what they were, but also to teach this to other people because in the teaching, I also continue to learn, and so really to look at all of these things that happen to us as what am I meant to be learning from this, and then apply it instead of feeling so disempowered and shut down and bitter.
0: You know, it's it's as an em- we're both empathic, so empaths have no boundaries. It's like oh, you're pregnant. Oh, oh, you know, what I mean, <laughs> it's uh, you take in too much. In other words, you drink too much emotional stuff. You're like drinking away someone else's emotion and it absorbs you and you get distracted. I've I've worked on boundaries. I'm still working on boundaries, um, which means I'm here for a while more. (laughs) But I find boundaries so difficult because just when I'm getting it in today's climate, People are rude, so rude. So it's to me, it's also looking at where do I release control? <clears throat> I don't have to sort everything out. Um, and maybe I think, I don't know about you, but I noticed with my clients and myself that a lot of the time we've forgotten what it is to receive. So, if we don't have boundaries, we're just giving it and giving it and giving it. And so, when you first say to somebody, No, it's very scary. It's very painful. You're dealing with your own pain. But the third or fourth time, it's amazing. You have all this space and you don't know what to do with it. (laughs) Oh, I know. Again, (laughs) they clutter. No, I mean, you know, it's like, and that's where you start really growing and attracting wonderful opportunities.
1: Absolutely. And it takes
0: courage. So that's why if you can't do it on your own, find someone that will walk you through it, help you through it. Yeah. So you do, you know, baby step through it. Yeah. And, and, and that, that way you, someone else will say, like you will notice with your client, well done. That was a boundary. And they'll go, oh, really? Yeah. It's a blind spot, but you
1: just put a boundary there, but that's what it looks yeah. like. <laughs> it's true. It's so true. I mean, just, you know, I, I, I had a client who said yes to an outing that she didn't want to go to. The person called her at work and she didn't want to be talking to them at work, but she didn't have the boundary to say, this isn't a good time. Let's talk about this later. And so she answered the phone, had the conversation, which already was a crossing of boundaries for her, and then said yes to something she wanted to say no to. And so I said, you know, you can have a do-over. You can go back and tell them, you know what? I said yes too soon. This really doesn't work for me. Thank you so much for thinking of me. Let's take a rain check. It's It's kind to yourself and it's kind to others. And I always tell people, how would you feel if somebody went with you somewhere and they really didn't want to be there. And the whole time you're feeling their energy of, I don't really want to be here. That's what you're doing when you say yes to something you don't want to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's excellent. To me, what you've just brought up, I think is one of the most, it's the crux of it all because you're working against yourself. So if you don't deal with it, eventually your life will get so ugly so ugly that you have to, so painful. You just have to. It will hit you every which way until you have to have the courage to deal with it. it. I mean, if you don't, you're gonna be sitting like you said with someone that doesn't wanna be with you. And you're sensing, this is gut feeling, something's off. You'll go and make a whole movie on they don't like me. They're unfaithful. It's got nothing to do with that. They may, maybe they need to be with their mother. Who's having an operation. They didn't want to let you down. It doesn't always have to be bad. You just won't know how to read it.
1: Mm-hmm. And a lot so, of times it's just, you need to be by yourself. Like you haven't taken the God, time yeah. to recharge. It has nothing yes. to do with the other but being with anybody, but you. It's
0: always about us. Yeah. I mean, one of my gifts, is I can remote read. Like when clients come, they'll show me a picture and I'm able to do a sense check on what that person's habits and behaviors are. Not to uh, come up with something negative necessarily, but to give insights for them to strengthen and to have a comprehension or understanding of what's really going on. And what's really going on is completely different from how they see it. Mm-hmm. Because when you're that sure, you don't need to call someone, you know? <laughs>
1: that's right. Yeah, there's a, and there's always other perspectives also that people don't consider. They just see things through their lens one way only. And that's often how we get into fights, how we get stuck in perspectives. And um, yeah, so I I wanted to talk about something you said earlier about living with uncertainty, being comfortable with uncertainty and how hard it is. This is a really important topic. I'd love to go a little deeper into that because I find that letting go in general is hard for people. Um, Wanting to control everything is really where most people wanna be. And so I, I wonder if you have any ways for people to get started at being better at sitting with that level of uncertainty?
0: Yeah, I mean, the first thing they can do is just look at the world. Everything's uncertain. So it's not like you're asking yourself to go to a place that the world isn't dealing with anyway. And I think that uncertainty, think of it more like a preventative, that allows you to spot check, check the boxes, sense the stories, see how often a person connects, see what you're saying to yourself. Uncertainty, if you can embrace it, especially in areas you want, stop the movie making, stop the reaction, allow you to sit and for, it's not like, um, It's almost like, um, to me it comes from, if we don't embrace doubt and uncertainty as we're starting something new, or if like on a date, or if we're embracing something that we, maybe a new job or something about ourselves, um, like something's wrong, it's okay. I'm doubting myself, I don't know where. It's very personal too. Um, it's about distrust, but it isn't cynical. It's actually empowering. We have a right to doubt someone's story. We have a right to not believe somebody in a very uh, profound way, not to hurt someone, not to be, uh, you know, feel, feel disheartened. It's to use it as this is great, I'm gonna embrace this because this helps me check the boxes and take my time, being okay on my own, taking that breath, recognizing how my body feels and keeping my boundaries, my goals, I, otherwise I'll go down that rabbit hole again. And it allows you to sort of pivot slowly where you need. Just check it. I I think years ago, the word doubt and uncertainty were painful words. They were negative and they weren't romantic. I think before we even get to a place where we commit, we should be, use that so that we can recognize our senses. We can connect better with ourselves. And then we can be more generous with others. I mean, trust you, just have a little doubt with that person. But remember, if you trust yourself, you'll know. So I, I think about that often with insurances people sign, to the prenuptials they've signed in the middle of divorce, commitment and a promise from a parent when they let you down, so many things. And again, it's not about them. It's strengthening your inner trust. Mm -hmm. Being okay, calm and quiet so you can sense it. It's a really hard thing I'm asking people to even think about. But it's essential even if it takes a while to grasp it. It's your best friend it works with intuition, it works with your gut, it works with your health. So mind, body, spirit, I really, and it brings in more light, you have space.
1: Hmm. Yeah, what's coming up for me is, first of all, there's a lot of self-compassion in what you shared and learning to get curious for yourself, about others, instead of going in with a set idea about anything because we don't know what we don't know. And trusting ourselves, which I think is one of the hardest things. It's probably the goal of coaching always Mm -hmm. is to have people start to trust their own ability to make choices for themselves, not to rely on a coach or anybody else in the end. But you do have the wisdom within you. And we often get clouded and confused because of society and the way we're brought up and all that we read in these ridiculous movies and shows. And, and so how do we decide? And you know, I, I notice in my Facebook group where people will already know what the truth is for them, but they need to hear from other people. Like, you know, I've already That's made my approval.
0: Motto, right? yeah, the approval. Yep. Yeah. And it's I like, think that you just brought up something that is sometimes a poison arrow. Yeah. I mean, but when you're with good a good team of women who are supportive, that's different.
1: Right, so in my group, I have very strict guidelines so that people are not allowed to, for example, um, if somebody reports that a man did something, they're not allowed to say, what a jerk, um, he's an idiot, Next, what a narcissist, no labeling, no man bashing, none of those things, because that first of all, that we don't even know this person, this is just somebody else's reporting. And we also don't give advice, we support. And so we, we can't tell somebody, this is what you should do, because we don't know the whole story, and we're not them. And so we have removed comments that are that are just, you know, you should do this, you should relax, you should just do... Somebody with an anxious attachment style is, who is extremely anxious in dating is not going to just relax. You know, that is not good advice for that person. And so it's it's so important to learn, first of all, how to support yourself and also how to support others. I mean, a lot of what we're talking about today is it's not our job to take on the problems of other people, but we can be there to support them. We can be there to support a partner without feeling like we have to fix them or be their therapist.
0: You know, it's true. And I think most people I talk to when they become negative, it's because they're hurt. They really want to cry. And so it's easier to call someone a jerk to see them dark. And that's because you're creating negativity. You're reactive, whatever. You're making a movie, a story up in your head where most of those people would never fall for that in a rational way, normally. And I, I think you're completely right on that. Um, but the moment that you start doing that, you're going negative, you're dark. Just think of it that way. Think of it as a blackout, all the lights are out, electricity's blown. And so I'm really happy that you don't allow that because it creates a frenzy. And, that's a whole different ball game. That's cynical. That's negative. Yeah. It's just so easy to soak that up, isn't it?
1: It sure is. And what people realize as they start practicing responding differently and hearing differently and supporting differently is that it's actually a safe space. It's a space where people can grow and not just stay festering in old ideas and getting support for their old ways of thinking, which is really not helpful.
0: No, I mean, and also, if you're okay, if you catch it, and even if you can't immediately, it's great, that person's out of your life, better things are coming in. And the more you stay in that place, the longer it takes. And that's why you often hear people say, well, I'll never bring in love, cancel, cancel. Because that's where they want to stay. Yeah. But they're not conscious that they're doing
1: that. Right, it's big wall. So I like
0: that you have a group. This is what I was saying about women glamorous. (laughs) Redefining glamor, redefining dysmorphia. This is beautiful for women in their forties and fifties. They are so generous. They'll give you the compliments. They'll help you look beautiful, they're there. They've got that older sister, mama, (laughs) comfortability. Because if they can't grasp it, They're going to be in serious trouble as they hit their 50s and 60s or aging.
1: I love this conversation. I always ask everyone, what are your final words of advice for anyone who wants to go on their last first date?
0: I would right now obviously listen to more of your show because you're going to be hitting on topics of different techniques so they can test it, what works for them, what doesn't but they need to take right now a moment or a pause or a breath before they go out and reassess, work a little on themselves, redo their profile a little bit, get a grip on it's okay to doubt. I'm not gonna go in with this ideology of he's the one. I know I'm gonna meet him. If it isn't you, I know he's coming in or she's coming in. You have got to own the possibility and make it so certain in your body that it's coming in, but it doesn't have to be the person in front of you. You've got to be able to have a sense of being okay with things manifesting in their own time and space. And that gives you knowledge and an understanding that people can hurt you along the way. It's okay, they're not right for you. Don't get involved in their men, their movies, their drama, their negativity. And use this time, empower yourself and empower yourself with women that love love, that are happy, happy to date. Men who could be good friends, happy to date. People who have more of an upside and who are And maybe discover a little more of being okay with self-doubt. In other words, spot check. How often you have self-doubt after the third or fourth date. Instead of doubting who's in front of you until you feel secure. Like catch your own self-doubt. Because that's a blind spot. That can take you down a rabbit hole. Um, And this is where we can pivot and become what we think somebody wants. So there's a lot, but please know, just because you're going online, maybe doesn't mean you'll meet them online, meet them in a supermarket. The system works the way it works. Yeah. As much as you can have self-doubt and uncertainty, dating, be certain that you will have that moment to fall in love. Just be certain about it and don't don't worry about the timing. It will happen when it happens.
1: I love that. Be certain. So many people give up. And yeah, it's so not. important to believe because yeah. definitely what we focus on is what we is what grows in our lives. Yeah. Susanna, this this is fantastic and oh, really enjoyed our so conversation. Enjoyed you. <laughs> uh, can you tell Thank our audience you. how they can best find you?
0: Yes, thank you very much. Um, I have a website at susannagaland.com. Uh, S-U-Z-A-N-N-A-H-G-A-L-L-A-N-D.com. I'm at Susanna Galland on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, please and uh, go to my website, contact me. would love to hear from you. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you, and thanks everybody for listening today. If you love our show, please share it with your friends, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate all the ratings and reviews. And as always, here's to your last first date. If you are ready to get unstuck, gain new tools, become more empowered and finally find your last first date, I'd love to talk to you. Fill out an application to be considered for a complimentary half-hour love breakthrough session at LastFirstDate.com forward slash application. That's LastFirstDate.com forward slash application. I look forward to talking to you soon.